The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. G'day everyone and welcome to I the Big the Footy power. Port Adelaide podcast live on Port Fan Radio. I'm your host, Macca19, and joining us, as always, is the lovely Porsche. How are you? I am very well. How are you? I'm excited. I'm very excited. I can't believe that Port went trade nuclear. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, uh, devastation and chaos and good graphics. <laughs> chaos reigns supreme. I don't even know what picks we've got now because like we've, we've <laughs> traded picks in and then traded them out. I think we even got some of them back again just to trade out again. Uh, it's just absolute madness. Um, but what a, what a end to trade week all across the AFL, like... Utter madness. I think they were expecting like eight or nine trades today, and I think they ended up being about 21 or 22. So just a huge final day of the trade period. Yeah, no, there definitely was. Um, I don't know. It feels like uh, people say things like, oh, this trade week should be shorter. But I mean, this just feels like more and more like it should be longer, <laughs> you know? Um, you can't have it shorter because no, you know, half these deals wouldn't have got done. Like you need that sort of time to be able to, prepare to get these deals done, I think. Yeah. Um, And we don't really want to go back to 2006 and 2008 when there was like five trades done sort of thing, do we? Like, this adds excitement and you get more trades out of it this way, I reckon. Yeah, and also, I mean, it gives you enough time to test your players and see whether they're actually pretty serious about it or not as well. Mm. Um, You know, like whether it's someone like an Andrew Swallow saying, oh, yeah, I'd like to play the Gold Coast, or if it's a um, uh, Charlie Cameron saying no, that rumour isn't true. I definitely don't want to be at Adelaide next year. You know, it gives time for this little byplay in the media that uh, they're going to try anyway, no matter how long the, the week is. So um, yeah. it's just that no one gets Nick Stevens out of a, a, a trade that they should have got. Mm. That's it. Well, look, let's uh, quickly go through them. Because I guess the the main one yeah. for us on uh, early earlier this week, after we um, had already recorded on Monday, we got Jack Watts, we got our man for pick 31. That is a bargain. How good is that? That's that is just an absolute bargain. Like I'm, I'm, I can see that both Rockliffe and Motlop fill roles in our side that we need to fill, and they're both very sensible options. But Jack Watts, I'm genuinely excited about just because you know, like this is this is. I mean, thinking about it, this is probably we've got our best AFL experienced AFL set of key forwards now since we joined the AFL. You know, yeah, just about yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Well, uh, I think it's good. Yes, he's inconsistent. Yes, he can be a bit soft sometimes. And, you know, he's one of the most highly criticised AFL players of all time. Oh, yeah. mm. But he's going to suit our system really, really well. All his positive traits are what we need in the side. He's a good mark. Um, he's very quick. He's got a good lead. Um, he's incredibly accurate. He's one of the most accurate kick for goals in the AFL. Um, he's one of the best. Uh, or He's got one of the highest percentage of uh, kicks that end up in scoring shots uh, going inside 50. So he retains possession very, very well. Um, I'm, I'm so excited about seeing what he can do for Port Adelaide. Yeah, look, I mean, that's a, I'm, I'm excited to see what he can do with Charlie Dixon too because, I mean, you're watching him play with Hogan. It was like he'd, you know, he'd been missing an arm his whole career and then suddenly he had it back. And that's, yeah. that's why he looks so good, particularly in 2016. Um, uh, really, I can't wait to see, you know, Charlie Dixon being the workhorse he is and... Uh, What's setting him up? Oh, 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 it's going to be good. It's going to be very good. Very, very good. Um, the next trade was uh, we said goodbye to Brendan Archie for a future, uh, sorry, plus a future fourth for a future third round pick. Yeah. Um, so Archie got to his uh, got to his destination at West Coast. Um, look, he'll quite possibly be a starting midfielder there next year. So, you know, you just got to wish him all the best and hope that he makes the most of this opportunity. Yeah, look, I mean, I think that West Coast probably seeing that as much as anything as a as bait to lure Calamachi to back to Western Australia. So, hmm. um, yeah, I mean, they have to be. Yep. They have to be. Like, you know, that's how that's how WA clubs get <clears throat> players home. Really, it's a long established precedent with that. So, and look, going by the trades um, today, I reckon they'd be able to get Calamachi for uh, John Worsfold or something like that. Yeah, just about. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> that's certainly a good thing for them in the future. Um, Matty Loby moved on for pick ninety. Pick ninety five. Oh, never tasted so sweet. 
I've got to say that, like, I talk about what's being the biggest bargain. I reckon us getting 95 for Lobie is the biggest steal of the draft. It's absolutely huge just because of what the detriment he was to our side. Uh, at even even just playing in the SNFL, he was depriving our junior ruckman of you know time that they needed to play in the, the senior side and uh, opportunities. Uh, he's sinking money and that's got to bring down the, the club you know, a little bit, having a guy that, you know, getting paid half a mil that's you know, isn't anywhere near our football. Mm. Just absolutely brilliant that we've managed to move him on. It's a huge... For me, when Port won the Premiership in 2004, like there were there was basically not any players I didn't like, and it feels like we're finally approaching that point with yeah. the with current side. Because I, I don't think you win premierships with teams that are full of players that you just or clubs that are full of players that you think, nah, ah, ah, this is not good, this is not great. I just don't think you do it. Yeah, um, so it's really great. Look, he was a great clubman, and um, yeah. you know he was here for ten years. He's a life member, so he deserves respect in that regard. But look, he was never going to play AFL again for us. No. Um, and look, to get rid of his salary as well, or the majority of his salary, I think is just a a great thing for our list structure, for our, our cap structure. Um, it can only be a positive. Um, Another trade that we did today was uh, Aaron Young for a future fourth rounder, probably unders, I reckon there, but. Um, look, he'll get his chance to sort of play regular footy at Gold Coast and I'm sure he'll do an okay job. Uh, look, I think he's one of these guys that we'd normally keep on for two years past this point and then he'd be delisted for nothing mm. because we feel like maybe he's got some value, but he just doesn't. You know, like if we delisted him, no one would go, oh, how did you delist Aaron Young apart from Port fans? <laughs> yeah, like that would, that would be it. We'd be the only ones that cared. Uh, about doing that, um, there wouldn't be anyone else thinking, "Oh, gee, he's a good prospect." Uh, I mean, nah, nah. So what we got is about is really what he merited, uh, you know, list wise. Yeah, um, I guess a bit of a shock was Logan Austin today. There, there had been mm-hmm. murmurs for about four or five months that he was looking elsewhere, and it did come to fruition today, where uh, he was traded to St Kilda uh, with a future fourth round pick for a future third, um, which. That's probably the one that I'm most annoyed at, um, just because he would have been handy depth, even though he was a clear fifth in our key position depth chart. I, I still think he would have been pretty handy to keep. Look, I mean, I don't disagree with you, but I understand completely where he's coming from. So he, for me, he's in that category of players I'm not going to boo at all because, or bad mouth, because, I, you know, he's 22. But the guys he's behind, they're not all about to retire, are they? Like, they're all, you know, a couple of years older than him. So they're going to yeah. be around until he's 26. And if he hasn't managed to knock his way up that ladder by the, that time, gee, you know, that, that'd that be rough. He'd spend his mm. lifetime in the State League and then no one rating because he hasn't played AFL for four years, you know. Uh, so he, needed, in, he so. needed to change clubs. He needed yeah. to change clubs. I would have waited 12 months. Back yourself in, mate. Like, uh, yeah, where's, <sighs> your, where's your inner sort of a strength here. What? Like, back yourself in to try and take one of these spots back. Well, he's, instead he's backing himself in to get an achievable spot and prove himself at AFL level, which is what he desperately needs to do. You know, is like he, it's Is not... he going to do that at St Kilda? I don't know. He's oh, got a more of a shot than he does at Port. I don't think he starts there either, to be honest. Well, he might not start, but he'll at least be first preserve instead of Homsch. Yeah. You know? Like, that's... We're talking about here a guy that's fifth in the depth chart with a very solid, very stable defence that really only has falters when Homsch gets injured or Jonas gets suspended. You know, like, that, that, that's kind of... The Jonas suspension is probably the most common injury that our defence has, apart from um, you know, Broadbent's ongoing issues and Hartlett's ongoing issues. Um, it's, it's not a lot of room. Uh, so I, I completely understand him wanting to seek opportunities. It would be nice to have him for depth, but, you know, how many games do we even need to play him this year? Not many. So. Well, he only played two. He was okay against North Melbourne and had just about the worst defensive game of all time against Melbourne. So, uh, look, I don't think he's a sure thing to make it. Um, I think he's got potential. I think he's a really good size. I think he's pretty clever defensively, but he's still got his um, his cons. And, yeah, good luck to him. Uh, he we'll just be, needs a shot. Yeah, we'll be interested to see uh, just how far he goes in his career. I'm not even going to try and decipher the uh, the rest of our trades, but they were picks for other picks, um, which saw us maybe slightly improve our draft position this year. Certainly late, um, we've sort of moved up the draft, but we've ended up with um, an extra second round pick and an extra third round pick next year, which uh, is a very good thing. 
Yeah, it's um, I was trying to think of the story that I heard a long time ago, like you know, when I was a little kid. Um, it's this called the Straw Millionaire, and it's this Japanese Buddhist tale about a hardworking but unlucky peasant who prays to the goddess of mercy, and she says, "Trade the first thing you find." So he trades that from a piece of straw, ties a horsefly to it, trades it to to a mother with a crying baby who liked this, the who laughed at the fly and got oranges, and just trade this way all the way out from this really insignificant little thing to something pretty good. So we've got a future second and third out of this, mm. um, which really, if we trade two-thirds, you get an extra second. If you trade two seconds, you probably get a first-round pick next year. So, you know, we've kind of pretty much, you know, in a good position for next year, potentially. We've improved our spot dramatically. We've improved our spot year, hugely. Um, and we're doing it all from these really tiny little fourth round and a fourth round for a third, third round and a third round for a second or something like that it worked out to be. Mm. Um, you know, all this stuff like that. Oh, step by great. step. Yeah. It was done. Yeah, um, very much constructed and working well. So all up, we've picked up Watts, Motliff, uh, Motliff, Motlop, uh, Rockliff, <laughs> Motliff, that's great. <laughs> we've picked up Motliff and Rocklop, and uh, so that's good. Um, Watts, we've we've improved our position next year, and we say goodbye to Trengove, Impey, Loby, Archie, Young, and Austin. Um I guess the main thing to take out of this, I know a lot of people on Bigfoot are concerned about where this puts our depth um, and what this does to the magpies and, and all that sort of stuff. But look, for me, for the last four or five years, how many times have we said, I can't believe we couldn't get anything for Andrew Moore. I can't believe we didn't get anything for Ben Newton or Cam O'Shea or John Butcher. Um, there's probably another three or four players as well that, we arguably kept too long and ended up having to delist them when there was, you know, there was a chance where we could have got a first round pick for Lobie and a first round pick for O'Shea and probably a second round for Andrew Moore as well, but we didn't. This time, at least, we've traded players out to improve our position, and I think that's a great thing. We've actually got something for these guys that, let's face it, uh, Lobie, Young, uh, all, all these sorts of players, except for Trengo, um, have really failed us numerous times and we've in the past two years we've kept going back to the well you know we've spoken about on this podcast all year like just the merry-go-round of selection night where oh look young's in again archie's in again only for the next week for them to be dropped for the other one again well we don't have that now now it's time to back in the younger guys guys like atley guys like drew uh putting some faith in bonner um and i think that's only a good thing and um, in terms of our depth, I did a little um, research today. We've got six players in our reserves next year, if we go by my best 22, which would have played 30-plus AFL games. Uh, that's more than the Crows will have, and they just played off in a grand final. It's, it's the same as what Richmond will have, and they just won a premiership. So I don't think our depth is going to be a problem next year at all. Look, it's definitely better than it was last year, in 20, this year, I should say. Uh it's better because we've got more players that we can expect to do something at AFL level or if they're not, they're getting very valuable experience and we can make the judgment on them in a timely fashion. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm really happy with where our list at, to be completely honest. Mm. We've added three senior players at the top level and that's going to cause a bump downwards as well at this point. Like we could say that Trengove and MP straight swap for, I don't know, Watts and... Um, Motlop. Motlop, but then... Mot- Motliff. Motliff, but then we've got Rockliff in as well, so someone's going to pop down to be a depth player from there, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so it's it's plenty of competition at the top level, which is what we really want, um, and that'll uh, hopefully bring in a lot of competition at the lower level because, you know, we talk, you, the guys that didn't perform in the SNFL Grand Final, I don't know, Macca, you tell me, were they the guys that um, are young and just on the way up or were they guys that realised that they're not really going anywhere with their career at Port Adelaide? I think the guys that performed really well in the grand final were guys that um, should be getting quite a few games next year um, and are going to really push for selection. So I think that's a good thing. And, you know, we've complained so many times in the past that, you know, how long did Hitchcock stay around for and how long did Logan stay around for and Thomas and Salter and all these guys that um, probably stayed for, you know, probably two years too long. Um, Well, now we've actually decided to make some harsh moves and, uh, and move them on. Um, it's a good thing. Well, even now, Aaron Young's been around a year too long, but there you go. Yeah. Well, let's have a quick chat about some of the other trades. Um, can I just jump in with a speaker comment, which is yep. from JB saying, what's with all this positivity, Portia? I can't handle it. <laughs> um, because the, the, the knives are out. That's it. 
Have you, you know, been I'm, on the ramen sars again? It's it's still because I'm a terrible person. Um, but this time there's a positive uh, response to it because, you know, dramatic things are happening. It's very good. That's it. Well, let's talk about some of the other trades. Obviously, the biggest one today was uh, Adelaide got their man 12 years late. Uh, Bryce Gibbs is now a crow. Um, <laughs> and yes, they did uh, trade the house to get him. They, they gave up two first rounders for him. Is it going to be worth it for the crows? Yes. Uh, in my view. Um, for yeah. me, before they got Gibbs, uh, they reminded me a hell of a lot of us in 2004 in that we were frustrated by the fact that because we played in the grand final, no one no one wanted to trade players to us. Um, and so we had this bunch of draft picks and a shitty draft and we ended up what, messing around and getting, was it Walsh from Melbourne uh, with a third round shuffle or something like that. Uh, and it just looked like they were just going to weaken. They are just going to be weakened by their opposition because of where they finished last year. Um, the fact that Carlton broke ranks and traded Gibbs, even if it was at a premium, like it was a premium that the Crows can afford to pay because, you know, those draft picks, they didn't really want to have them in the first place and they don't really, they're not going to affect them in the next two or three years, like they said. So mm. getting Gibbs in, that covers their their weakness to some extent with uh, Cameron going. That doesn't, obviously didn't do anything for the legal loss, but they need an X, the reason why they didn't want to trade Cameron so much, in my view, is because they so desperately need an X factor because uh, they've got mm. a very... Vanilla side, I think that's a fair comment. Um, and they need they need players that can keep the opposition guessing. And uh, you know, losing Cameron would be a pretty big dent in that. Yeah, look, I think they've look they've they've given up a lot to get Gibbs, but I think it's going to be worthwhile for them. Hopefully, they don't win a premiership for it, and it won't be worthwhile. But they've made the right decision. You know, they're on the verge of a premiership. They've got to try and find a way to get themselves over the edge to win that premiership. And Bryce Gibbs will give them the best chance to do that. Yep. Um, you know, Gibbs, Sloan, two Crouch brothers. It's a pretty mean-looking midfield now, you've got to say. Diverse too, yeah. Mm. Um, and for some reason, Brisbane have decided they don't want to be part of the AFL anymore and decided <laughs> to give up pick 12 for a flaky uh, small forward in Charlie Cameron, which uh, is utterly ridiculous. But good, on think... the, good on the Crows, I guess. Look, I think that where we were at several years ago where you just want players that will nominate your club and so you overpay because you're just so desperate to have to set that culture up of players coming to your club and not thinking, oh, it's a nowhere dump. Mm. Um, you know, we we did that. Fremantle have done that as well multiple times. Fremantle back in the day when they were giving up big trades for any senior player that might want to come there, like a Trent Crode or, or uh, oh, I can't think of others. What's the backman that they used to have from Hawthorne as well? Anyway, yeah, uh, you know, they, that's just sort of the stage they're at. They need to kind of show that they can complete a trade of a player going to them because then if they, if they can't do that, then no one's ever going to go there. But you've got to retain some sort of uh, self-respect as well. I mean, 12 for Charlie Cameron is way, way over. Like, that's, that could potentially be one of the worst trades of all time in the it, future. Look, look, Charlie Cameron this year for the best team in the league who had some of the best forward movement in the league, averaged under 14 touches a game. Um, you take out his prelim final performance, he kicked five goals in 10 weeks before that as a wingman. It's it's probably not good enough, and it's certainly not worth pick 12, but yeah, especially when they've got other picks around them. They had pick 18 and 19 as well. you, you just got to hold your nerve, I think, and not accept it just because someone actually wants to come to you for a change. Doesn't mean you have to... Ex- um, yeah, pull your pants I, down. I think that the way Brisbane's been run for the last five, six, seven years, they are in a position where they very much have to prove that they can complete a deal. And if, if a player nominates them, they're not going to be left stranded in the middle of nowhere. Like, I think that's that before. They've done that with Mitch Robinson and Tom Bell. But they and, really and need to prove that now. That, that's it. Like the worse they get, the more they have you to prove have it. To, you don't have to accept <laughs> a ridiculous trade like that. And speaking of ridiculous trades, we'll talk about uh, their next door neighbours at Gold Coast. Pick two for Lockie Weller and 41 is the worst trade of all time. That is by far the most ridiculous trade of all time. I can't believe that the AFL state that they um, they double-check trades before they go through, apparently, to make sure that they're commercially viable. How is that commercially viable? Um, because they'll engineer another, uh, another Ablett compensation debacle to get more picks to Gold Coast next year. <laughs> It's unbelievable. The worst thing about it was um, I think Clayton was on Trade Radio trying to explain it, and he said, 
Well, look, oh, yeah. we had we had four first round picks last year. We've got two first round picks next year. You don't want too many. Sorry, what? <laughs> you don't want pick two? You're kidding me! Like that's well, just a, that that is just an utterly ridiculous trade. And Gold Coast deserve to be a shit football club because of it. Well, they should deserve to be a shit football club because Clayton's still there. Um, but that's just so hilarious coming from Gold Coast when they were the team that was given a billion draft picks with the expectation that they trade them for players and they use them all and what do they got? You know, <laughs> like, nothing at all. I, I, I guess it's kind of like the reformed alcoholic of trading. Mm. Is that is that what Gold Coast is now? Uh, I don't know. In the world's biggest shock, uh, Geelong used uh, their Motlop compensation pick to get Gary Ablett back. Wow, I'm stunned. Didn't see that happening. Gosh. Um, and look, in another bad trade for Gold Coast, uh, Brandon Matera for a third future third-round pick. Uh, mean, that was that was so quiet and stupid, you know? Just why? Like, <laughs> like have some self-respect for your footy club, guys. Come on. Come on. Unbelievable. Uh, Jake Stringer was probably uh, the second biggest name who moved clubs uh, today. Uh, again, uh, 25 and 30. Essendon got a pretty good deal there when it looked like uh, they may have to trade out a hell of a lot more at the start of uh, trade week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, look, I guess um, Stringer's... Are... Yeah. I, I, I think they... Well, I don't think potentially they've much, really. He is potentially... An absolute superstar. He's already made All Australian. He's had two, you know, ordinary seasons, but has still been okay. If he can get his head right um, at Essendon, he's going to be super damaging. Considering you've got Danaher up there as well, um, you know that but forward he, line does look pretty mean. But is he going to work well with Danaher? Like that—that's the question for me with Stringer. Like I, I don't know. That—that's. I like Danaher, so. Danaher, Danaher uses Danaher is their forward line, and he's doing all right with that. Really, yeah. uh, so they're, it's going to be a, a difficult transition. Well, for it's no different to us saying, "Well, Charlie Dixon's our forward line. How is Jack yeah, going to work with him?" But Watts is, in my view, like he's proven himself a have an ability to work as a second key forward. Um, you know, playing that sort of supplementary role to Hogan. That's why I think that's great because it's kind of like. He's changing clubs, but it's a similar situation. He should adapt reasonably quickly. Mm. Um, but you know, Stringer to I don't know. I don't know. Look, well, I guess we'll see. But um, I'm not convinced that that Essendon got a super super deal or anything. I think they just got a good deal. And the Dogs replaced Jake Stringer with uh, Josh Shackey, the former number two pick a couple of years ago. So now they've got a number one pick and a number two pick running around in their forward line. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess if you can turn uh, Boyd around, then you might as well back yourself in to do the same with Jackie. Uh, I don't know. Uh, not terrible. It's a good, mm. good setup for them. So why not? I think it works out well for them. Um, I guess we'll see just what Josh Jackie can do. He's obviously got a lot yeah. of talent. You don't lose that talent, whether he can get his head right at a new club um, and realise some of that potential. Uh, well, hopefully he can because, uh, yeah, it would be good if he um, can do that. Them. Well, I mean, it, it's really going to be all about how well he can respond to playing at a disciplined football team. Mm. Um, that, that's a huge jump from the Queensland clubs down south right now. So, yeah, mostly anyway. Um, and the Crows again—they made a pretty astute trade today. We spoke about Sam Gibson on Monday. We did, yeah. And uh, the Crows uh, obviously listened to our podcast and decided to take that advice and uh, tra- traded him in for pick ninety-one. Um, I think he's played 100... I know you're joking, but I half believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I think he's played 130 games straight. He never gets injured. He'll probably play another, you know, two to three years. Yeah. And look, on on a wing, uh, he's probably going to do some damage at that footy club because, uh, as we mentioned a moment ago, there's four pretty bloody decent footballers ahead of him now. Yeah, and look, I mean, he kind of fits the crowbot mould as well. You know, he's he's just... <laughs> Inoffensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite like he vanilla, could have been a pro player this whole time. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He quite possibly was. Yeah. Yeah, who knows? Maybe. Uh, Frio got Nathan Wilson, so that's uh, that's a really good pickup for them. He's a gun. And hmm. uh, look, that's pretty much it, I've got to say. Yeah, yeah, apart from Collingwood trading a pick for a guy that's was rookie listed and hasn't played a game. <laughs> was, was... Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. <laughs> Yeah, that was a weird 
Yeah, future second round pick for uh, Sam Murray. We'll see how that works out for them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> That's right. Um, look, uh, we got a message from Craig Jones a moment ago who said, uh, came up with a question, with eight players now gone, do we need to delist any more players? And that's a pretty good question because I think most of us thought that Matty White and possibly Jimmy Tumpus would have been out the door. And you've got to say that might be doubtful now. No, I'd still ditch them. Still ditch him? Still ditch him, absolutely. I think I think both might get a reprieve, to be honest. I think I would be just okay with Jimmy Tumper staying. No. Nah. But I just don't think Matty White physically will be able to handle another season of AFL pre-season training and filling in for games because he looked right on the edge this year. Yeah, no, I, I, I can understand why the club might not, but I think we should, and I think there's a pretty good likelihood that we will. I guess we'll but also the DFA lists as well. Like, there's going to be DFAs we can go through and hit up. Yeah, for sure. Like, now, now again, talking about the discussion we had earlier this week, like Lockie Hansen, um, suddenly with uh, Austin gone, maybe, maybe. Yeah, well, Lockie Hansen's a chance. Sam Collins from Frio is a chance. He had a really good year last year. Uh, it was a bit of a shock to listing this year. Um, so he's certainly a chance as key position depth. Jake Spencer um, as ruck depth might be a chance. Yeah. Um, that's probably about it for me. Maybe Ben Kennedy. I don't know. He might be worth a last pick in, in the rookie draft sort of uh, sort of spot. Um, but it might be worthwhile sort of uh, having a flick through those sorts of players. Um, in this year's draft anyway, because I don't think there's going to be a lot of value in the rookie draft coming up, to be honest. No, maybe not. Um, but then you also got like a guy, like I think Matt Guelph, he's done all right on the waffle, from what I read, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Liam Ryan. Last year. Yeah, Liam Ryan's still around. You know, he's the sort of guy you could maybe have a crack at uh, in the draft. You know, there's players. There's yep. players in my view. There's players that I would rather give even, you know, a, a, a tiny, tiny chance to <clears throat> rather than just keep Tompus and White another year. Yeah. Look, let's move on and talk about the reason for this podcast. We're going to talk about uh, yeah. part two of the Allies' potential draftees this year. Um, and the first player we're going to talk about is potentially the most talked about player in this year's draft pool. Um, after Todd Marshall last year, uh, GWS looks like um, having access to... Um, another uh, very top pick or potential top pick in Jared Brander. And uh, changes were made to the zones and he's in the open market now. He's a 194cm, 89kg key position player. He can play both key forward and key defender. He's a lot like a Jared Ruffett or a Lockie Henderson in that regard. How do you feel about Jared? Look, I really like him. It's it's hard to find a lot of flaws with his game. Um He's got pretty good athleticism and he looks like he's got the sort of build where he can add a bit of muscle and not really lose that athleticism as well, which is, you know, that's pretty important for a modern key position player. Um, he's got a good mark. He's decent kick. He chases a bit. Um, he's pretty much everything you want in a, an under-18s tall, I would have thought. So he, he's going to go top 10, surely. I would think so. We'll get to that in a minute. I, I know Mish isn't a big fan of him and we'll Why? talk to Mish about that in uh, in a few weeks' time. I think he. Come on, I think, he, I think he feels like he's a bit mentally soft, um, and when things okay. don't, he's a bit. From the quote that I read, he's a, he's got a bit of the James Sellers about him, um, and yeah, I'll, I'll get him to explain that in a few weeks. But well, there's um, not really much to explain when you're saying someone's got a bit of the James Sellers about them, is there? <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's a pretty decent call. But look, I'm a big fan of him as well. Um, I think he is the best key position player in this year's draft. Um, mm. I've had him top 10 all year. I had him top three at the start of the year. I had him top five up until a couple of days ago. I've moved him down to number eight on my list. Um, he's had a pretty good season. He had some mixed form at the championships, though. Um, he was best on ground in their uh, win against Vic Metro, um, picking up 16 touches, nine marks, and three goals in a very dominant display across half forward. That was a, a really good game from him. Uh, he was close to best on ground against Vic Country across half-back in a different sort of role um, where he took a load of intercept marks and just rebounded from 50 all day. But he had an absolute stinker against South Australia, was well beaten by Lukosius, who's in next year's draft, um, and looked uh, look, it, he made him look pretty second-rate, to be honest. 
Um, well, there are a lot of things that I do like about Jared. I love his marking. I think he's got good pace on the lead. He's a very nice kick for goal. He reads the play exceptionally well. He can zone off really, really well when he's down back. He can take those intercept marks. Um, and he just has that aura about him that he's going to be a really domineering figure um, you know, across the ground for a club um, for years to come. Yeah, look, he doesn't strike me as a dominant forward type. Um, I think he feels a bit Jack Watsy, which okay. is not a criticism, but like that would be my direct player comparison, really. Okay. Uh, so you think I, he'll be more of a second key position forward as opposed to the leader of the ship? Uh, look, I mean, it really depends on where he's drafted, isn't it? You know, um, He might learn to cope with that. He might uh, deal with those expectations. But I think if you're looking at uh, what is the best role for him, I think that he'd like to be in a team with a... a a bullock and key forward, and then he can be the off uh, the other option, really. Yep. So where do you see him going on draft day? Oh, yeah, top 10, I reckon. Top it, 10, I just... reckon... I find it hard to see him falling beyond six at Collingwood, to be honest. I think... I think Frio are a massive chance at five because I still feel like they need another young tall. I know they've got McCarthy, they've got Cox... Uh, they've got Griffin Logue, um, and they've picked them up in the last 12 months. But I still feel like they, another, they need another key forward to sort of rely on, who's got some good pace, uh, whose name isn't Matt Taberner. Um, and, and I feel like Jared really sort of fits that bill. I think with when they only had pick five, I think it was probably 50-50 on whether they would go with Brander or a midfielder. But I think now that they've got pick two as well and can pick up a Davies Uniac or a Cam Rayner or a Paddy Dow, then I think it's an absolute Monty that Frio are going to pick him up at pick five. And if they don't, then Collingwood will definitely pick him up at pick six. Yeah, yeah, look, they might do. I'm, I'm not going to dispute any of that at this point. Um, the only, look, the only question for me is if, because they're mostly Victorian clubs, oh, yeah, Carlton North and Collingwood, uh, and St. Kilda, oh, I don't know if they've still got it, uh, anyway, uh, the Victorian clubs, they might still be pretty keen on those Vic Metro players given there's a bumper crop, so they might upscale on them and you know, not go with the brander. don't know. Well, I just don't think that... In Collingwood's situation, I think they need tolls as well. Like I just spoke about free... Like, Collingwood are in the same position. They've got Darcy Moore and they've got... Who else? Like, no one. I feel like they need all the support they can get up forward too. And if he falls down to six, I think they'll lap him up ahead of another midfielder because their midfield is quite strong, Collingwood. Um, but they do need a lot of help in other areas of the ground if they're going to develop properly, I think. Um, yeah, no. And, and Brando, I think, will help them do that. So so it'll be something to talk about with Mish in a few weeks because we both rate him. So that's uh, that's a good thing. I like that. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I guess if you want a, a comparison... For I think I mean that I'm going to say it that might be Misha's weak spot because uh, he was big, he was big on Harry McKay a couple of years ago around the same pick we were rating Brander because he was an absolute hard nut but he hasn't done that much yet and not yeah. saying he won't but it might just be like that's a Mish not a blind spot it might be a Mish preference that uh, might not necessarily mean he's going to be an awful footballer okay but we'll see we'll see uh, hard questions coming Mish better prepare yourself mate. Um, next player is Jack Powell who's 180 centimetre 74 kilo uh, midfielder slash back flanker slash potential tagger Uh, he's part of the GWS Academy he was really highly rated as a 17 year old last year had a really good underage year probably hasn't gone on with it this year Um, he only averaged 13 touches in uh, 9 NEFL games for GWS and Canberra this year Um, was reasonably solid at the championships are you a fan of Jack Powell or not? I don't know. Like, it's hard to pick out flaws in his game, in my view. He's, for what he is, he's pretty proficient. He doesn't seem to mess up too much. And he does some really good things as well. Like, I think of the the, the smalls from the allies that we saw this year, he's probably, he could, I'd say he's arguably the best of them. Yeah. Um, so, because obviously we didn't see Spargo. Um, yeah, yeah, I... I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't hate him, but I'd query what his role would be at Port Adelaide if we picked him up. Yeah, I've, look, with the picks that we've got, I think he might be half a chance that we'll look at him. Um, yeah. it, it's hard to rate him because I, I watch him play and think, God, he hasn't really done much. 
But then I go back and look at his highlights and, th- and I look at him and I think, well, everything he did was actually pretty good. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. It, it just seems to be one of those sort of quiet achievers that you don't sort of notice on game day, but you well, watch it I, back and you, and you, you realise just the, the impact that he has actually had. Well, I mean, we've talked so many times and you know, people on Bigfoot, he certainly talked about it all the time, about who the next Sam Mitchell is. Um, this sounds like it might not be too dissimilar to a young Sam Mitchell. Yeah, quite possibly. I think he's got a lot of Kieran Jack in him, the way he sort of plays. Okay. I, the yeah, the yeah. things that, that I really like about him, I think he's tough. I think he's really, really tough, and yeah. I like that about him. I like yeah. that he can play both inside and outside. I think that's good. I like that he can play both midfield and potentially halfback. Uh, I think he's really, really strong one-on-one, which is which is good. I think that when he does play as a loose midfielder, I think he's quite impressive at stoppages. He, he does know how to get first possession of the ball. Um, and he does have pretty good vision in traffic as well. So they're, they're the things that I really like about him. Yeah, look, I mean, there, there's definitely things to like about him. But And then you always, when, when you've got the small midfield like that, you've always got the scaling up question of whether they're going to be able to, you know, at 180 centimetres, is he going to be able to play the same role? I don't know that he, I mean, he's not super fast. Like, he's not deficient, but he's not super fast, I don't think. So, yeah. Uh, don't know, don't know. I don't know, he's a big if for me, and like you said, it might not be a surprise if we pick him at one of our picks if we do, in fact, delist Tumpus and uh, White particularly. So, so yeah. yeah. I mean, he could get more of the ball. He could uh, be a bit more creative with it when he kicks. I think he often chooses some safer kicks than he probably needs to uh, and needs to sort of find some depth in his kicking a bit. But um, in terms of where he's going to go, it's a hard one to say. I think he might have started the year, you know, probably going the top two rounds. Uh, I think he's probably dropped out of that now. I can see him falling late. I can possibly see him falling to the rookie list as well. Um, the question is, if someone bids on him, did GWS take him? Oh, God, I don't know. Maybe. No, look, I think that they'll be hoping that he does fall through to the rookie list because then they get him automatically, don't they? If they yeah. want so Yeah. I think that's I, probably what they're hoping for. I think if someone bids on him... In the national draft, I don't think they will actually accept no. the bid. I reckon they'll knock it back and he'll be free to go wherever the bid comes. So, um, I think from 40 onwards, in this particular draft, I think you could do a lot worse than Jack Power. Yeah, you could do worse, certainly. Mm. But, yeah. That's it. Mm. Uh, another GWS, GWS Academy player is uh, Nick Shipley, who's a 190-centimetre, mm. 90-kilo inside midfielder. Um, I reckon he's a lot like Brendan Archie, uh, both in terms of looks, yep. in terms of size, in terms of what reliance he does. On he plays. <laughs> yes, reliance on handball. Yes, reliance on handball. I thought he had a really strong championships for the Allies. Uh, he averaged 16 touches a game. Uh, didn't kick a lot. Uh, the game that I went to at Adelaide Oval, I think he had something like 22 handballs and two kicks, which was interesting. Um, but he also won the uh, the Giants MVP award as uh, the GWS's best player in the Academy Series against the other Academy teams. So um, he has played pretty well this year. Are you a fan? He, yes, I think he's. Got, I think he's got to go to a club that has. Really good coaching, really good development coaching. Yeah. Um, because he, uh, he's look physically, he's got what you need him to have, um, and he is good in the middle. He has, been, no, he's has a decent amount of pace when he does go outside. Um, for me, uh, the biggest concern I have, and, and he gets away with it at this level. I don't know whether he will so much at the next. Is that when he gets the ball, he takes a snapshot, and then he sticks with the first option he likes. Um, which I don't know. I don't I, that. That's hard to like. He's, he seems very instinctive. Like he, he makes his call, um, and he follows through with what he's intending to do. Uh, and that's going to take a lot of coaching to get the right instincts in there for the team. Yeah, um, I feel like he telegraphs his handballs a bit too much. Oh, that like, well, that's at, at that's part level, of it. You can see him getting uh, intercepted about you know four or five times a week at the moment. Well, uh, that's it. Yeah, it's because it's linked like, to that. See, as you said, he sort of sees the option. And you, you realise what he's going to do, even almost yeah. before he knows he's going to do it. And at AFL level, you can't really afford that. You've got to be a bit more sneaky. Because, uh, yeah. look, players are just going to pick you off. Um, but look, there, there is a lot that I do like about Nick. I think as a 
pure inside mid. I think he's up there in this year's pool. Um, mm. he's, look, he's tall. He's got good size. He's strong. He does win the bowl. He does win clearances. He does get first possession of the bowl. So that's really, really important. Um, I think he can be creative with his handball on occasion. Um, I think he's quite fit, which is great. Uh, he's also reasonably quick. He did a 2.97 20-meter sprint, which is great as well. And finished pretty high up in the endurance um, events at the Draft Combine too. So I think athletically he's got he's got the package. Uh, I think it's just about him learning a bit more sort of uh, football IQ. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree on that entirely. Um, and he's... You know, these big midfielders, maybe they just sometimes do take a little bit longer because um, he is, what, 190 centimetres, so that's that's big mid- midfielder territory. So, is, um, yeah. 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 That's uh, in your uh, Wines-Kennedy zone. So, yeah. Yeah, he's certainly up there. Look, I think uh, he'll definitely get drafted during yeah. the national draft. Um, Absolutely. Where the bid comes in, I'm, I'm not 100% sure. I don't think it'll come in the first two rounds. I think it'll come after that, just like Jack Power. Um but on this occasion, I think if someone does bid on him, I reckon GWS will pick him up. Yeah, look, I, I do too, because his top-end potential is huge. Um, it's it's bigger than a lot of other players, I think, in this draft. Um, yeah. if, if he does get that right, like, he has the ability to be a complete beast. Mm. Um, he could be the promise that I think Anthony Morabito was back in the day. Um, yeah, that's a good call. That's a good call. Where he had all those injuries, he could be that kind of player. Yeah. Um, so I think that that'll probably... I reckon that'll get him in the late second, mid-seconds, um, that potential. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, Jitos will probably match that. I think if if he's there with one of our picks, we might even bid on him. I think North Melbourne yeah. might be a chance. I think Sydney might be a chance. But look, with, with GWS losing Kennedy today, you know, I think Shipley is probably a pretty decent replacement and um, in terms of talent, in terms of uh, role and uh, potential development as well. Yep, yeah, no, I'll, yeah. Yes. So that's good. We're three from three. I'm happy right. about that. Uh, this is probably where it all goes downhill. <laughs> well, if we're going to Tom Highmore next, yes. No, we're going to okay. Nathan Richards next, who's a 200-centimeter, uh, 102-kilo ruckman, who is also part of the Giants Academy. Um, look, he's pretty old school as a ruckman. He reminds me of a bit of Matty Lobey. There's a bit of Todd Goldstein in him as well. Um he did all right for the Allies at the championships. Um, I like his leadership. Um, he gets the ball. He's a big lump of a lad. Um, he can uh, direct his taps reasonably well. Yeah. Um, do you see him getting drafted? I do. Um, yeah, I'd also mention that he's got a big hoof on him. Like, it doesn't take much for him to kick 50 metres, that's for sure. No, that's true. Um, he, that, that's, I don't know how valuable it is. It just it was Ben Graham-esque when, when you say it, so... Uh... Um, look, I think he'll. I think he'll get drafted. He's a ruckman, so maybe he might be another one of these guys that would be in the rookie list if there wasn't a weak draft. But because it is a weak draft, maybe he might not get there. Yeah. Um, and if that happens, I don't know if GWS would match or not. But uh, I think he's got. An, I think he's got enough. Like you said, he is an old school ruckman. Um, but he's a smart enough ruck, I think, and he's got enough potential to him to hopefully maybe lose the puppy fat and. Um, mm become a, a top-notch ruckman, but he's a long way away. Yeah, he is. He's got probably two to three years' development in him, I reckon, uh, to lose yeah. that, you know, to, to strengthen himself up, lose that puppy fat, and, and really uh, work on his game. I think the core of a good ruckman's there, the, the core of mm. a good footballer's there. I reckon he loves his footy. Like, yeah. I, I think you can tell by the way he sort of plays and carries on on the field. He loves his footy. He loves the contest. And I think that's pretty important for an AFL player. I think that's half the challenge. Um, sure. Look, look, GWS. They've you know they've lost Tom Downey this year. Uh, you know their their other backup is Dawson Simpson. He's about thirty years old now. Uh, <laughs> they're just about to lose Mumford. Yeah, you know, they they don't have a great ruck uh, structure anymore um, at GWS. I reckon he could sort of uh, fill in fill in a job there and potentially even play um, in the first couple of years. Yeah, look, I mean, he certainly could. Um, it just needs the circumstances to be right for that to happen. If the, if they're if they're midfield, they're happy enough with how the midfield's going, they can afford to have a ruckman that maybe might get a little bit lost at times in the midfield when he's not doing the tap. Then he might get games for sure. But uh, you know, I like him. Um, I, if if we did decide we wanted to add another junior ruckman, I mean, I wouldn't be horribly averse to us 
pick him up late as well. So, mm. well, I think if he falls to the rookie draft, GWS will lap that up. They'll pick him I up. I think for so sure. too. Uh, yeah. It's just a question of whether someone bids on him before. I think it's touch and go. Um, I think. Look, all it takes is for one club to really like him and, and like his sort of competitiveness and his aggressiveness, and I think that's going to be enough for someone to bid on him. Yep, I agree. Uh, now, your favourite, Tom Highmore, who's a 192-centimetre, 82-kilo, uh, mature age player from the GWS Academy as well, plays as a third-toll defender, uh, a lot like, uh, I guess, Andrew Mackey. Um he was reasonably consistent in his form this year. Averaged 13 touches at the Champs. Averaged 16 touches at NEFL level. I'm guessing you're not a fan. No, I don't like his disposal one bit. He kicks floaters and he kicks to wrong targets. That's enough for me. <laughs> yeah, look, that's that's reasonably fair. I, the, the things that I like about his, his game is his ability to read the play. I think he, he loves to zone off and he loves to go up as that third man to kill the ball. I think he's good at taking those intercept marks as well. Um that's where it kind of ends, I guess. Um, I actually think he does make smart decisions to move the ball. I just think his execution can it's, let him down. It's appalling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, I mean, I think that death, that combination of great intercept mark, but then what? Like that's in, in this in this current AFL where you can get trapped with the ball in your defence because the opposition is trying desperately to cause a turnover, like he's, he is, I don't know, he's poisoned to a defence right now. Uh, with the AFL uh, state of the game, I, I, I wouldn't see a lot of, I wouldn't see a lot for him unless it changes a lot, uh, so that we're moving away from the, the, the aggressive press that we have um, every game now. So, because mm. you can't like if if you're going to be that intercepting backman, you have to be able to you set up. You've got to be a good kick, don't you? You've got to be a good kick. You've got to, and yeah, you've got to be a good kick, particularly because you've got to set up a mark. Usually, that's how you break the through uh, a lot of the time. So, it's. He's got a, that big weakness it, where the game is right now. It's about as the worst weakness you can have, almost. It's pretty close to it. So, um, you know, he might get a shot. He is a, a giant kid. He might they might back him in to sort of improve over time. I mean, he might do. He absolutely might improve over time. But um, he's got the red flag for me. I don't want him at Port. Yeah, it's touch and go whether he'll get drafted at mm. any spot. Um, it'll probably be rookie list if he does. Um, I do think he's got some AFL traits. Uh, all he needs to do is to not overestimate his ability. Really, like, I don't think it. I don't think his kicking is uh, is that huge a problem that it's never going to be fixed. Like a John Butcher, I think it's more of a. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to take that much to fix it. In which case, I think he could become an AFL player. Look, um, given he missed out last year as well, I think it's. Probably doubtful he's going to get a crack this year. No, nah, no, nah, no chance. Probably, probably hasn't done enough. He probably needs to get a bit more of the ball as well. If you're going to play that sort of loose uh, third man down back sort of role, you probably need to be getting it more than 13 times. I mean, I can only assume that someone is still interested in him, so that's the only reason I say he's absolutely no chance. But mm. I don't know. I don't see it. Not sure. Uh, next player. Um, fancy that also with the Giants Academy is uh, Brendan Myers who's 183 centimetre 80 kilo he's an inside outside midfielder plays a lot like Jake Barrett who plays at the Brisbane Lions um, look he had a really disappointing champs he averaged only 14 touches a game but at NEFL level he's been one of the Giants best players all year he averages over 23 touches a game and uh, and almost 5 clearances at that level his best came uh, came in round 14 where he got 32 touches, 9 marks and 7 clearances uh, and was best on ground that day. Uh, so, look, he is a bit of a ball magnet. Yeah. Yeah, well, coming forward, we could see he just, he's just a... He looks like he's just going to be a halfback. Um, so, from a poor perspective, I don't think there's any urgency for a guy like him. No. Um, if he's playing that well in any AFL, well, I mean, that's great. Um, but when a kid... That young is also playing that well in the NFL. Maybe they found their level. <laughs> mm. I don't know. Um, I just don't see anything exceptional about him. So I can't comment, though. I haven't seen enough of him, really, to, to say anything much. So I don't know. Look, he's, very, he's the epitome of the um, description <laughs> vanilla, I think. Yeah, he's yeah really. absolutely van- a vanilla mid. Look, he's, he's obviously a decent player because he can get a lot of the ball. 
he runs all day. Um, he's very much a what you see is what you get type midfielder. Mm. Um, I don't think he's got any real sort of X factor or explosiveness. Um, he's just going to be a bog standard mid, I think. I think he sort of tracks more to being a very good state league player at VFL or SANFL level as opposed to really sort of getting a crack at AFL level. A team might like the fact that he can get a lot of the ball as a young kid and and do that against men at NEFL level. That might uh, attract someone. Um, but outside of that, I think he's not a great kick. He's got some pretty iffy disposal and uh, and some pretty questionable hurt factor as well. For me, the only, thing I, the only thing I positively noted about him was that he was um, pretty efficient when he was under pressure. Um, I didn't mind him in that sort of role where he, he didn't he didn't make any terrible stuff ups when he the, the the horde was coming down on him. Um, so that's yeah. you know that's that's important. That is, that is that's true. Uh, next player is um, uh, similar to Jared Brander. He was part of the GWS Academy, but um, when they lost their zone, they lost access to Charlie Spargo, who's a uh, Dad played a lot of footy at North Melbourne. They just miss out on him as a father-son pick. Uh, he's 173 centimetre, 73 kilo. Uh, I guess you'd call him a small forward or a, a small midfielder as well. Um, he went into this year being one of the top talents. Um, had a really good underage year. Uh, but just didn't play much footy this year at all, really. Uh, he played two games at the Champs. Um uh, sorry, last year he played two games at the Champs. He, he had one game at the Championships this year where he got 18 touches um, before a shoulder injury uh, ended his season mid-year and uh, did not play a game for Murray Bush Rangers this year as well. So uh, we're coming at this with pretty much no exposed form at all. Yeah. Um, like going off under 17's form is, is cool, I guess. Uh and it can pay dividends in some situations, but when it's a guy that's like 180 or 173 centimetres tall, who's mm. uh, injured uh, in the year that they need to perform uh, best, I don't know. Like, I think that drops him quite a lot. Um, and it might be that a club gets, some, gets a really good return from backing him in, but gosh, I don't know. I reckon he started the year as a potential top 20 pick. I reckon he's probably dropped a fair bit down from that now. Not through mm. any fault of his own. No. As you, as no. you said, I think... Um, it's risk. Often with drafting as well, recent form is good form, I think. Like, you tend to forget players in their underage year sometimes and they tend to drop down the list because you just don't have anything to base off of. I think he played some really good school footy when he was fit this year. Um, so that'll impress uh, recruiters. Um I think there is a lot to like about Charlie Spargo. He is very, very short, but he gets a lot of the ball. Uh, I think he's really, really clever, especially at stoppages. And look, his lack of height doesn't really stop him from getting first hands on the ball. Uh, he does seem to get a lot of clearances. Uh, I think he does a lot more of his best work when he is that sort of first or second disposal away from the pack, though. Yeah, yeah. Look, from what I have seen of him, um, he his disposal's all right. I think that he's effective when he's in space, but you wouldn't say he was a finesse player. Um, I don't know. Uh, I'm a little. Bit, I don't know. I just. I just can't. I don't know, know enough, but I'm just worried. And so for me, I like. If he was there at our first pick, I wouldn't take him. If he was there at our third pick, now maybe. Um, but he'd probably go before that. Yeah, I, I don't think we've got any sort of need for him. Mm. To be, mm. honest. I, I think we've got the Sam Gray role covered with Sam Gray. Um, I don't think we need another one, <laughs> to be honest, especially oh, when, we, when yeah. we've still got Jakey Need on the list as well. And look, Charlie Spargo might end up being better than both of those players uh, and could well do that. Uh, I, I just don't think uh, we need another player of that type, particularly at the moment. Um, I think he'll come under consideration from the second round onwards, probably around 30 or 40, I think I can see him going. Um, I think there'll be plenty of clubs interested in him for sure. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I think that there are definitely player types that we could target that may have also questions over them, but that if they turn out really good, they'll more effectively address a need that we have. So, yeah. And the last player we're going to talk about in this section is uh, another midget in uh, Jack Hardman, who's 173 centimeters, 67 kilo, small forward, outside mid, um, as part of the Sydney Academy. Um, 
He plays a lot like Hayden Ballantyne, I reckon. I don't mind him. Um, he averaged 12 touches and three inside 50s a game for the Allies at the Champs. Hasn't played a lot of footy elsewhere this year. Um, but there's something about him that I quite like. I can't quite put my finger on it. Yeah, oh, I'm not sure. Uh, but the fact that he's a Sydney Academy player, I, look, I think he's probably a rookie case, and I think that because they're fairly shallow, they'll probably take him. I think so too. I think uh, he's got really good pace. I, I like his evasiveness. He's got good agility. Uh, I think he's, he's really clever with the ball, especially by hand. He, he does kick goals. He's got reasonable ki- uh, depth of kicking for his size as well. He's not. Um, he doesn't struggle to kick over a jam tin. Uh, I think his kicking at times can be maybe a little bit lazy, uh, but generally I think he's a, he's an okay kick. Um, I don't know. I think he's one of these sorts of players that. Uh, yeah, Sydney will pick him up with a rookie pick and he's going to end up playing 120 games for them for some reason. Nah, don't agree. They reckon? Nah, no. Nah, look, I mean, I, I just don't know that... Look, he's going to have to change a hell of a lot from what he is. So, and, and all the all players do, to be fair, but it just seems like a big jump. Big jump. He just looks like a Sydney player. Like They have a lot of, you know, midgets, short players. Uh, so. they, they tend to like them. And uh, he's small place for a small ground. So true. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see us being any sort of chance. I don't think of of looking at him. Someone might maybe Sorry. if they're after a small forward. Um, but outside of that, I think Sydney will probably pick him up reasonably late. There's no harm in in giving him a crack late on a rookie list. I don't think for them. Yeah, look, I mean they could do worse. I'm sure. So that's it for the main part. Are there any other Allies players that you want to look at? Yeah. Now, I don't know. As far as I can tell, no one's talking about him or looking at him at all. Um, but I, from what I saw, I like Thomas Mundy. Uh, he's a Tasmanian, so he's not aligned to anyone. Um, he just reminded me a lot of Aaron Young, which, you know, given when we just traded Aaron Young for a bag of peanuts, <laughs> maybe not the best comparison, but he's just a, it seemed like a, a, a utility that gets involved. Um, his possession counts maybe not where they could be for a guy in his role, so it might just be that he's a flash in the pan. Um, but everything I saw him do, I quite liked. I liked his decision-making, I liked his execution. Um, okay. I think he kicked the winning goal uh, against... Um, did he kick that? I forget. Potentially, um, yeah. Yeah, you know, he, he's got a bit... I don't know that he's got a lot, but he's got rookie enough, I think, probably. But I guess I, I could be horribly wrong. Yeah, I'm not 100% sure on that. I, I think, I don't know, I, again, I think he's very, very vanilla. He doesn't really get enough of the ball, I don't think. I think he's quite rushed when he does get the ball. I do agree with the Aaron Young comparison. He does remind me a lot of Youngy, And it might be something that grows out of his game, that sort of you know, mm. rush, rushedness when he, when he gets it. Um, I think he needs to sort of calm down before he sort of disposes the ball a bit. Um, look, someone might be interested. Um, and, he, and he is a bottom major as well, pretty much. I think he's, what, into November birthday? So. Yeah, I think he's November 11 or something like that. So he's pretty young for this year's draft. Yeah. Um, look, he might be one that sort of goes back there again next year, I reckon. Yeah, could be. Could be. And if he, if he doesn't get picked up, I reckon he might be an overager for the Allies next year. Yeah. Yep. Um, for me, the other one that's probably worth discussing is Jack Payne, who's a fullback who's part of the Lions Academy. He's 195 centimetre. He's got really good size. He's ready to play uh, in terms of his size. He's got good strength already. He's really well built. I just think he's a bit... He labours a bit too much. He sort of hangs behind a bit too much. I'm not sure he's got the pace for AFL footy. Um, But he's certainly got good size. I think there's no doubt that he will be part of the Lions next year. And they'll put a lot of time and effort in because uh, a they need um, local players and b they need key position players as well. And I think um, he's probably a good as, a chance as any of, of making it at Brisbane. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. I think you're right about them needing key position players. So that's, that's hard to argue against. They just lost Shaky. So yeah. And the other one is uh, Tony Alango, who I think we might have spoken about we last year. We did talk about him last year. Yeah. Yeah, who's a ruckman sort of key position player, good pace. Um, quite wiry. Uh, he's part of the Hawthorns Next Gen Academy, so it'll be interesting to see if um, they choose to pick him up there. 
Yes, it will. Um, I'm just trying to quickly find what I had on him last year, but I can't find it. Uh, yeah, no, look, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I liked him last year. I'm pretty sure. I reckon you did from memory. I remember I us talking about it. I reckon you were a fan. Yeah, so, look, I mean, I wouldn't be against uh, us potentially picking him again because we've got Lowie gone, so why not? Why not? Um, we've, got, we've got room for a Ruckman, but, you know, especially one that's got an XB year on him. Um, yeah, yeah. So outside of that, I reckon that is pretty much it for the Allies. It's not a big crop for the Allies this year. Um, it was significantly better the last couple of years. Um, so it just goes to show you that uh, the academy clubs aren't going to pick up potential superstars pretty cheap um, every single year because it's certainly not going to happen this year. No, um, just uh, I've found my notes on Tony Lango and said he was not athletic ruck, that he struggled reading the play, but his tap work was okay. Yeah. Um, I don't Sounds know if that's improved. Right. Yeah. Okay. Not sure. Mm. But I'm sure Hawthorne will give him a crack, I reckon. Yeah, why not? Why not? Uh, so that's it for this evening. Um, Why? Got, actually, we've got some other questions I've uh, forgotten oh, about. Okay. Forgotten cool. about the questions. What an idiot. Um, that's terrible. Andre has asked, uh, are there any players from other clubs you currently wouldn't want due to large salaries but would take if we also got a second or third round pick out of it? Um, oh, obviously shit. looking at a, a lobby type uh, situation there. No. <laughs> It's hard to say. The only player that I think is salary dump worthy is Chris Main, and I certainly would not be taking Chris Main. Yeah, look, I mean, the reason why it's Carlton that did it um, is because Carlton are nowhere, you know, like Port, where we're at right now. The last thing we need is to, a, lost, a list clog and a huge dent in our salary. So, no, there's not anyone. Sorry. Yeah. And, look, Carlton need to, uh, to find players to actually reach the minimum total play payments next year, I think. So that's why it works out well for them because they get mm. uh, they get some experience back up for Cruiser and uh, they get to meet their obligations, which is, uh, which is good for them. Hooray for them. Hooray for incompetence. Um, <laughs> Schultz and Fest has asked, with Trade Week now over, uh, nominate one player from another club who you think we might recruit next off-season and nominate a player from our club who you think might be recruited by another club next off season. Oh Jesus, I didn't. I, I need to do homework for that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you go first, and I'll quickly scoop through the AFL. Well, I think Wines is the obvious target next year for Victorian clubs. There's going to be clubs which are going to throw an absolute mint at him. Like I think Carlton will probably be one of them. Possibly St Kilda, uh, maybe Melbourne as well. Uh, North Melbourne will probably throw a $2 million a year deal at him because they, they need, again, like Carlton, they need to find players to meet their obligations. Uh, so, look, we've got to be on the ball. I, I think the good thing for us is that um, we may have picked up three pretty expensive players in Watts, Motlop and, and Rockliffe, but we've let go, you know, at least $1.5, possibly $2 million worth of salary ourselves with Lobi and Impey and Trengove and, and Young, Archie, these sorts of guys. Uh, so I think we've given ourselves a lot of space to be able to um, meet that challenge if it comes. Um, a bit of a left field one might be Riley Bonner. If he doesn't get a lot of game time next year, he might be one that might look to move. Yeah, um, for me, I, I kind of feel like if things pan out, like I keep saying they will, then Jack Homsch might be a guy that they think he's a good character recruit, and if he doesn't play many games next year, yep. on top of not playing too many this year, then he might be susceptible to a nice offer from a club where he'll play every week. Yep, I think so. Uh, that's fair. Target from another club? Uh, I would I would love for us to target Tom Lynch. <laughs> I reckon that'd be fantastic, but I don't think we'll, we'd be able to afford him. Because, um, look, North Melbourne are going to offer some sort of ridiculous contract to get him, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't think of anyone right now. Like, I, I, right now, our list is pretty nice. Mm. I, I haven't been able to say that for a long time, but our list is pretty nice right now. Um, I, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Like an attacking midfielder, but I can't think who right now would be good to throw some dosh at. But just I, heard, 
I heard that Matty Loby goes all right for Carlton. I'm not sure if you've heard of him, but um, he might be a chance as an experienced backup. He might be able to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe there's someone at West Coast we could chuck money at. I'd like to steal a player from them. That'd be good. Scott Lysett. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> next question. We'll, we'll talk no about answer. that next year. Uh, Schultz and Fest, are you worried about North making a big offer for your boy Joe Attlee next year to come home, get more opportunities at senior level, and get to play with his brother? Ah, well, Joe Atley's got a younger brother who's in next year's draft, if I remember correctly. So, yep. uh, no, not worried. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> not not look, now that we've got an extra second and third next year as well. Yeah. Look, uh, this could definitely happen. This could absolutely happen because North are going to be looking at midfielders to come through next year and, and Atley would be a pretty easy target for them. I think the thing that makes me comfortable is that Joe has never made any real sort of comment about wanting to play with his brother. And his brother has commented a couple of times that Joe is his own player. He's never sought advice from Sean about being in the AFL or anything to do with that. Um, so whilst they're pretty close as brothers, I don't think they're close in a football sense. And I think Joe's pretty keen on making his own mark in the AFL without sort of being um, under the shadow or, or guidance of his brother. Yeah, and... I think Sean Atley's actually up for free agency next year anyway, so maybe it might be the reverse. Maybe, maybe we can get the Atleys. We've had three Motlops play for us now. Why not three Atleys? Yeah. I mean, I know he's not the, exactly a prime recruit, but uh, you know, it's just as likely. In fact, technically right now, it's more likely to go the other way than going to North Melbourne. So, mm. well, Look, that is it. That All right. is it oh. for this evening. And, what a trade uh, week. What a trade what week. A tra- it's, it's been fun. It's been a good fun. It's uh, look one of, definitely the most successful trade week I think Port's had in in quite some time. Um, just with not just the quality of players we've brought in, but the the changes that we made to the list as well. I think it's it's all a positive, and um, I'm very very much looking forward to next year. Yeah, I mean we didn't really hit the the full on sacred cows like a broadband or a heartlet, but you know we. Uh... I think they'll have the wind up them with the changes that we've made this year. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how performance across the board is from all the players who yep. will meet a lot of new faces this year, which I think is good for them. Indeed. We'll be back next week where we have uh, the next part in our draft series. We're going to be talking about South Australians next yeah. week. So looking at guys like Darcy Fogarty, Jordan Houlihan, Callum Coleman-Jones, Nathan Krieger, James Rowe, Stephen Sun. So that'll be fun. Um, there's some interesting players there and certainly some players that uh, will be around the mark for Port Adelaide, I reckon. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think that the, the, draft picks we've got, the draft picks we've got are shitty, right? We, we acknowledge that, that what we've got now is kind of shitty. But like last year, there were guys taking at shitty draft picks that I still kind of liked, like a Zach Fisher, you know? Um, so there's definitely going to be guys like that available for our picks this year. I, I think that, yeah, they might have, you know, big question marks on them. They might still be players that we can like and enjoy watching play. Good stuff. Until next Lovely. time. Can't the pair. Can Port and goodbye Lobby. Close forward again for Port Adelaide. No laughing matter for the Roos. Tread Ray. Oh, don't tell me. Oh, Tread Ray!